0: Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are, rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show. Matt West here, hanging out with you, talking cars on the weekend. A loaded show for you today. We got a ton of great things going on. And a special guest joining me for the second half of the show. His name is Ethan Hunter. He is a, uh, well, a racing enthusiast. Might not really uh, do it justice. But he is a self-proclaimed racing madman and lunatic He's a really cool guy, too. He does a lot of different types of racing, and he's really into grassroots racing, which is what I love. If you if you listen to the show often, you know I'm a big fan of grassroots motorsports, and uh, he's doing that pretty well with his family, and uh, I think this is really cool. Now, a lot of guys do uh, drift. A lot of guys might do time attack. He kind of does them all, and he does Spec Miata and, and, and some other things, too, like a lot of interesting different forms of racing. And uh, so I think it'll be really exciting to get him on the show and talk about his perspective on grassroots motorsports, where it stands right now. And, you know, and I think it's it'll be really cool. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that interview coming up here later in the show and uh, really excited to bring that to you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And then we also got to talk about how maybe one of the highest mileage Toyota Supras has uh, gone up for sale, gone up for auction, and it got a hefty price, which is just proof that the Supra market in particular is out of control. I totally nuts. I, I can't believe someone paid this much money for, well, 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 we'll get to it here in, in just a little bit. But before we get to that, if you're not catching this show on video, you are missing out. Uh, now, of course, you can listen to the radio shows here in Colorado on the weekends on three great radio stations, AM 1460 The Answer, AM 1400 KRLN, and 91.7 KLZR. That's covering everything from Colorado Springs to Canyon City to the Wet Mountain Valley. Lots of great ways to Catch the show there, but you can also see the show on video. You can see me doing it right now, as well as some other things too. We don't just on the YouTube channel, I don't just post stuff from this show. We also post uh, other things, you know, wrenching on cars in the garage and tips from OBD1 Kenobi himself. There is a video uh, on the short section of the YouTube channel, and uh, it might teach you something about oil changes or, well, at least a tip when you're doing your own oil changes in the garage. Maybe you knew it. Maybe you didn't. You might have to watch it and uh, let me know what you think about that. And uh, go check it out again. YouTube, Rumble, all of the great places, wherever fine shows. And, you know, this one can be found online. So speaking of um, speaking of auction cars, uh, before we talk about this crusty, rusty Toyota Supra that it was too much money. Before we talk about that, um, I got to talk about another car that is slated to go up for auction here at the end of the month. And it is America's first car to exceed 100 miles per hour. And it's estimated to fetch over $1 million at auction. It is called the 1904 Napier Samson L48. And it was a very respected race car until back in the day when it was just an old car you know that's one of these interesting things about collector cars because at some point most collector cars before they became collectible were just old cars that nobody cared about and and that's the case here now this this napier here set multiple records um and you know back in its day in the early 1900s um, and it's it, it, it was one of these cars that, I mean, you look at cars of this era, and they're really cool looking. They're unusual. This was the dawn of the automobile, and you take a car like this. If you're watching on video here, you can you can see what I'm talking about. And uh, this is one of those cars that it's it looks kind of steampunk. It looks kind of weird. I mean, but it that's how it looked when it was new. It's not. It, you would almost look at this car and think this was some modern steampunk interpretation of an early 1900s race car. But no, it was just an early 1900s race car. And it was very, very cool. And if you, uh, again, are watching on video here, you can see pictures of it in its original configuration as well. And it lived a tremendously hard life with years of racing. Um, It had a couple of engines throughout its lifetime, a 15 liter engine, as well as a twenty liter engine. I mean, yeah, take that with your, you know, one point six liter your B sixteens and your uh your four AGEs that are yeah, one point six liters. No, this had twenty liters. Twenty. Yeah. And um so the the motors at one point, this car when it was retired from racing, it was retired from setting land speed records. Again, it was the first car to cross that hundred mile per hour threshold. Not the only car, obviously, but the first. Um, and you know, after a while this car had had it was retired. It was an old race car. It was, uh, you know, it, the the owners over the years who raced it. There were there have been a few owners over the years with this car. Uh, at some point, the motor was one of the motors was scrapped. It was another one was repurposed in a speedboat. And um, now what was interesting about the speedboat thing is Napier, the, the manufacturer here, became, weirdly enough, the only manufacturer in the world to hold both boat and land. Sea and land speed records at the same time because of that, um because the engine that made it into a boat also made it into that boat, which set some records so I mean that's that's cool, and you know what's interesting about this car is it had languished away for years and years before um somebody decided to uh find it. It was discovered in Australia covered in dust, basically in a barn. Somebody found it and decided to restore it and try to find the um, original engine, one of the original engines, and get that back in and restore this whole car, which um, the uh, car was restored in 1982 after sitting at that point for, I guess, about 67 years. And it was uh, restored in 1982. And it's now passed around from one collector to another for a few years. And, well, it's going to go up for auction. And you have a chance for the crisp $1 million, maybe, might be more price tag, to have a land speed record car. If anything, I think this car is tremendously cool just because of the way it looks, this styling. I mean, this was was cutting edge technology in the world of yesteryear. I I think this is really cool. So if you want to check that out, you can see some pictures of it in the video. Uh, of this as well. And let me know on the Facebook page. Would you drive that? I think I already know the answer. I would drive that. So (laughs) now speaking of other auction cars, I got just a couple minutes to wrap this up. But a Toyota Supra with 388,000 miles has sold for a considerable amount of money and uh, considerable, which For a 388,000 mile old Toyota, it sold for 45, or sorry, make that $49,500. And I mean, this thing's got rust. It's got holes in a couple parts of the body. I mean, this thing is, um, I mean, overall, if you were to, if you were to look at it, you would say, well, it's not that bad, which it's not. I mean, yeah, it's got some rust. It's got some old car problems, um, as you would expect an old Toyota to have. But here's the problem. $49,000, $49,000, let's say $50,000, Fifty, 50 dollars for an old Supra when you could just, I hate to say it, I don't want to be that guy because I'm going to hurt the feelings of all the people whose dream car is a Mark IV. If you want a Mark IV Supra, you know, it's the one from Fast and Furious. It's the one everyone's obsessed about. If you want one, then go get one and, and be happy, right? I'm, I'm not going to tell you not to do that. Though I would probably tell you that 50K is a bit much for this. Now, I know someone's going to come along and say that, yeah, but in another 30 years, it, when the really nice ones are $10 million, this one will still be $5 million. So I'm mean, like, whatever, whatever. I know, I know. And it, in all fairness, it has the turbo. It's the GTE engine instead of the GE. That's nice. Um, and it's just been a driver car. Now, I would say if you wanted to spend $50,000 on a Supra, there are other Supras. You might say, oh, well, I, I really want a Supra, so I have to spend 50 K. Well, I don't know if you look at the new mark fives, they started about 50 K and it's a brand new car, so I don't know. But then again, I've, I'm not one for sensible decisions on this show. If you just look at the cars in my garage, yeah, I know I could buy a new one for more than what I pay for my other cars that don't run. So anyway, hey, don't go anywhere. Ethan Hunter, my guest, is going to join me after the break. We're talking grassroots racing right here on the Automotive ADHD show. Don't go
1: anywhere. And now for how things work with an engineer.
0: Rotary engines. Regret.
1: And that was how things work with an engineer. More of how things work can be found at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD.
0: rocking it on the automotive adhd show those car sounds were from my guest and i am really excited to have my guest on the show he's been racing since he was i think you said five years old is that right five years old that's correct five years old everything from quarter midgets to motocross to spec miata drift and more my guest is ethan hunter ethan welcome to the show thanks for having me Awesome. Awesome. So you were telling me before the show here that you have racing in the family, right? You, you've you been racing since you were little, but you said your dad, your mom, everyone raced. Tell me a little bit about your background, maybe your family, how you got into racing.
2: Sure. Yeah, we can start with my grandpa. He was a uh, top fuel dragster driver back in the uh, 60s. And uh, that's kind of where it all started. Um, got my mom into flat track motorcycle racing and um, got uh, she got hurt real bad, uh, racing, uh, an 85 and, uh, a girl on a bigger bike on a 125 came down and, and, uh, hit her with her handlebar and split her stomach wide open. So Ooh. she had to go to the emergency room. And back then, you know, girls weren't really supposed to be racers. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind mm-hmm. of frowned upon, um, as my grandpa and my grandma were in the ER, everybody's kind of, uh, giving them the look and saying, mm-hmm. how could you let your daughter do that? You know, she's supposed to be in gymnastics, you know? And uh, so after that wreck, that kind of ended it for her. Um, she wishes she got to race more because, you know, she didn't get it all out, right? Right, right. But um, that was kind of the victim of a, of a bad circumstance. But um, her her brother, my uncle, he raced flat track, and he actually did the Pikes Peak on a motorcycle back, uh, back in the day. I don't know exactly what year it was, but he made it to the top. Um, and then my dad, he raced uh, stock cars, uh, circle track. Um, and that's kind of where he did... Uh, most of his, uh, uh, racing was down in Pueblo, uh, I-25 or Beacon Hill is what they call it. Okay. Um, so that's where he did most of his racing. And, uh, once he had me, then, you know, it was time for him to sell the cars and, and buy me a car. That wasn't my choice. That was his, you know, so.
0: <laughs> you were saying earlier that you're kind of, it was, you, you kind of obligated to get into racing.
2: Right. Yeah. He didn't ask me if I wanted to race. He just asked me what color I wanted to paint my car. <laughs> so, and I said, red, <laughs> Red's a
0: good color for race cars. I was super into it. Makes Viper. it faster,
2: right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yep. And I, I, was super into Vipers back then. And uh, what's better than a cherry red Viper? Oh man! You know?
0: Oh man! And I, I love the. Uh, was it the Viper GTS? Yes. It was I think the second gen? Yes. Don't quote me on that. With the, the white
2: stripes. With the white stripes. Yeah. Oh yeah. man! Can't beat it. Oh
0: man! So you've done. You started out like at a very at a very young age. You started out, and mm-hmm. so so tell me a little bit about some of the racing you did as a kid, and and how that got to. Where you're at now, which you know we were talking before the show, but I mean you know kind of speaking to the name of the show, automotive ADHD, you're kind of you're here, you're over there, you're doing this type of racing, you're doing that type of racing. I don't know if I know anyone who does as many different types of racing and competitively
2: than you. Yeah, especially here in Colorado, you know we're kind of landlocked as in racing terms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we're we're kind of on an island, you could say. Um, so I kind of made the best of it. You know we have. PPIR, we have HPR, and we have PMP, and Mm -hmm. out of those three uh, tracks, you know, that's your road course, Uh, all your road courses are are pretty much taken care of, you know, you got two and a half mile road courses up north, and then uh, the PPR has a roval, which is really fun to drive. Mm. Um, You get to go on the bank and then come into the infield, it's kind of like a mini Daytona. Okay. Um, It's a a hoot to drive. Um, And then we got PMP, that's another two and a half mile road course with a lot of elevation changes. Um, and, and, you know, you just got to be able to, uh, uh, enjoy yourself in the, in the spec Miata out there. It, it takes a long time to, uh, get down some of the straightaways even. Oh yeah. You know, and, and you got time to think, you know, and in some of my other cars, you don't have any time to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I like a little bit of both, you know, I like to be able to just react sometimes and go off my instincts and like drifting or the super late models, you know, cause they're, they're, they're hauling the mail for sure. Um, mm-hmm. we're going hundred mile an hour on a three 8 mile circle track. So, um, but on the, in the Miata, you know, we're going hundred miles an hour and, you know, a half a mile straight away, you know, right. it takes a long time. So, but everybody else has just enough time to think too. So, um, just cause you got more time to think doesn't mean that they don't, you know, so everybody's mm-hmm. making decisions, um, based on, on, you know, what they're going to do, how they're going to get to the next corner and what they're going to do to get around you with 110 horsepower, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really tough to outpower somebody in a miata you know the only way you can really outpower somebody is if they miss a shift or they're off the gas for just a half a second something like that um but for the most part you know you're bump drafting in the miatas you're you're trying to go as fast as you can with what you got you know yeah
0: when i've watched videos of spec miata i mean it is the most competitive i've seen anyone be with like 90 horsepower Right? Exactly. I mean, yep. and and it is it's really fun to watch the videos because, I mean, you're you're eliminating all these other factors of the car, you know, oh, different power, different power to weight ratio, you know, this and that. No, you're all in the same car. Right. And it is down to the driver. Right. And that's what's really cool. So I want to talk a little bit more about Spec Miata here in a bit. But before we do that, we've you've mentioned several different types of racing that you do. But li- list them out for me. What each thing that you're doing? Spec Miata's is one. Drifts another. What else do you have going
2: on? Right. So and then we also uh, race the super late model at CNS, Colorado National Speedway. That's uh, north of Denver, um, three eighths banked oval. Okay. And then we have a TA two style car that me and my dad home built. Um, and that races on the road courses that's that's a uh, 700 horsepower 2,800 pound vehicle on some some big slicks Pirelli slicks and that that thing really hauls the mail too um, and then we got the time attack slash hill climb Evo 10 um, that one's you know 600 horsepower dry sump you know full FIA rally cage it's it's a it's a rowdy vehicle um, and then as well as the spec Miata and the and the uh, the drift Camaro so um yeah that that rounds out five vehicles that we're maintaining each and every week and uh it's a full-time job it's five full-time jobs really i, I was gonna say one is a full-time job for, right. for one person already
0: are, are you biased towards any of them particularly i mean i know you it's like, like pick a favorite well it's like yeah well which, which arm's your favorite right like right but if right. you had to say you like one over the other
2: yeah if if they said oh you can only race one car for the rest of your life you know, it would have to be something where, you know, there's a lot of people in that class because I do mm-hmm. want to race against people, you know. I don't want to be the fastest out of three. You know, I want to be the fastest out of 10, 15, 20, 30 guys, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm always gonna try to pick whatever's the biggest class at the time. You know, racing's a real fad, phasey type of sport. Um, sometimes, you know, a class can have twenty guys in it and then three years later there's there's three guys, you know. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, you know, the, the track makes them mad or tech or, you know, other drivers, whatever the case is, you know, um, th- there is driver count uh, fluctuity, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I always just want to be in those classes that have the big car counts. So that's, you know, spec Miatas. You're always going to see a, a plethora of Miatas. So, you know, that would have to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I do like the super late models, you know, because they are just bad fast. You know, they are <laughs> very, very fast. And it's fun. You know, you got no traction control. You got big Hoosier slicks and you got big American horsepower.
0: Yeah. It's kind of classic racing, you know, at least classic yeah. American racing. In exactly. That
2: sense. Yeah. I mean, you got to do things to make Dale proud. Yeah. yeah. Got to do it for Dale. Exactly. A-
0: absolutely. So my guest is Ethan Hunter. You can follow him on Instagram at Ethan underscore Hunter 37. He is a, uh, I, I think racing fanatic would be an understatement.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it flows through my veins. Absolutely.
0: And so I, I want to talk about we got a minute left here in the segment. But, um, you know, so you've spent much of your life in racing, mm-hmm. you know, behind the wheel of of cars. Um, have you noticed over time you were, you were mentioning that racing can be kind of it can have fads. Things can kind of come and things can go. Have you noticed much in the terms of grassroots racing? You know, that's one of the things we really love here around the show is is grassroots racing. You know, and that's one thing that's always fun about the Pikes Peak Hill Climb is you can be A guy racing, uh, you know, you can, you can be a factory team with factory backing and factory support, or you can be a dude, you know, just doing it with his family. Um, but have you seen any changes in the grassroots racing world? Has it gotten better? Have been more people been drawn to it? Or do you think people are dispersing from it? What do you think?
2: Um, I think. Uh, it's gotten better and it's gotten worse, you know, in, in certain areas, you know, the, the way it's gotten better is, you know, the cars have definitely gotten safer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people aren't getting hurt as much. Um, the cars are getting faster in certain, in certain classes, right. Mm -hmm. Um, we're able to collect data. It's nice to be able to collect data. You know, that's something that we've never been able to do back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, unless you had gobs of money, but you know, getting a data collector is, is relatively cheap nowadays. And, and, you know, that that kind of stuff where you can actually get an edge on yourself, you know, because you can only drive as fast as you think you can drive. But mm-hmm. when a little computer box is telling you, hey, you can do this much better, then it makes you think, well, let's go try it. Yeah. You know, and, and that that's cool. Um, You know, where, where it's gotten maybe a little worse is maybe some of the people's attitudes and maybe the amount of money people spend on their on their cars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of hard to compete with people that, you know, own their own construction business or they own their own you know, uh, you know, line of, of franchises, even, you know, we're up there racing against people that own first bank, you know, it, it's hard, yeah. it's hard to compete against people that, you know, will will spend millions and millions of dollars just to go win a, a Saturday night race. Right. Right. Um, but you know, I, I still truly think that hard work pays off and, and you can win being funded, but not, overfunded, right? You, you got to be able to afford new tires. You got to put gas in it. You got to put, you know, you got to get your crew to the track, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it takes money, but it's still possible, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I think that is, you know, when you look at any form of grassroots racing and you look at back of the day, you know, like when racing was in its infancy at the dawn of the automobile, you had exactly that still, you know, in fact, if anything, you probably had guys who were You know, more it was more of a a rich man's hobby at that point. And we've kind of we've brought that further towards the grassroots now and where someone like you is racing like five different racing series at at once. Um, So and I want to talk a little bit more about some of the things you've got going on. Um, And, of course, you're also a uh, you you do. work as well doing pdr and paintless dent repair and stuff like that so i want to talk a little bit about your business i want to talk a little bit more about spec miata as a as a whole just because again I'm, I'm latching onto that because i find yeah. that just to be really really entertaining so we're going to get to uh all of that and more coming up here in the next segment of the show again my guest is ethan hunter instagram at ethan 37 um racing fanatic but that's uh, like we were saying that's Lunatic. A, Lunatic. I like it. There we go. Racing Lunatic. I'm going to I'm going to use that title for you there. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. I love it. Of course, you're listening to the Automotive ADHD show. We're on the radio AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer also AM 1400 KRLN and 91.7 KLZR. Don't miss a minute of this show. You can also catch it as a podcast, YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, wherever fine shows and well, hey, this one are downloaded. We'll be back right here in just a minute after the break.
1: At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating.
0: Someone help, he's choking!
1: This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the Earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft, child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? yep. That was us. Apollo 11, also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell, we even wrote the Wikipedia article, fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Learn more at Facebook.com slash ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things.
0: Colorado Springs number one car show by default, this is Automotive ADHD and more car sounds from my guest you are listening to the automotive adhd show whether you're listening to it on the radio or online as a podcast you can catch it on video too, youtube and rumble i have sitting across the toolbox from me here ethan hunter and we we corrected his his title instead of uh, racing fanatic what what did we say racing madman lunatic, lunatic yeah Right there. So he does tons of racing and he is kind of embodying grassroots racing at its finest. And so, Ethan, we want to talk about a few things here, namely, you know, racing. That's that's one of the one of the topics here. But what motivates you to do all of this racing? Because you're doing tons of different types of racing. You're not just picking one. You're saying, I want them
1: all
2: right Yeah. And you know, the feeling you get behind the wheel, I mean, if, if you've driven a car and you've driven a car fast, you know, that feeling, the escape, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that magical feeling you get. And that's, you know, obviously the reason why, but also once, once you get a taste of it in one racing series, you kind of wonder what it's like to race a different series and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, are they having more fun than us or, you know, are they spending less money and having more fun or, you know, what's their balance and equations of, of you know, fun to dollar spent, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I started dabbling and and getting different race cars. And I just found that, you know, you can't just have fun with one car racing, you know, four to six times a year, you know, out of the 52 weekends that you have in in the year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I like to be able to hit 20 to 25 events and just drive as much as I can, you know, because you can only get so good with, you know, setups and, and you know, the, the car and horsepower and, and reaching those car goals as, you know, as, as you go on. But being a driver, you have to be behind the wheel. You know, you have to get that sense of feeling and you have to get that sense of control or in the case of drifting out of control, you know, you have to have that that feeling all the time. You know, right. if, if you don't have it, you know, it's like a drug. You, you got to have it. You know, right. where right. is it? I got to find it. You well,
0: and I think sometimes when it comes to driving, you get you kind of get tolerant to it as well. Like, right. I need to keep going more. It's if anyone who's modified their car, you know, and, and added power, done mm-hmm. some sort of power adder, they know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You get behind the wheel if you've just boosted your car or something, you know, you finish the tune on it and you're like, wow, this feels great. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 minutes later, maybe a day or two later. Yeah. You're like. Okay. Well, it feels slow again. I want more. Yeah. Like your your perception. You know, you get used to that that threshold on there. Mm-hmm. So I think whether we're racing or modifying cars, um, you know, we all kind of experience that a little bit. Now, what would you say? Are there any drivers you look up to personally? Drivers in the racing industry,
2: right? Yeah, there is. Uh, obviously, my dad, you know, my dad's going to be my first idol. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's he's the one that started it all, right? He's right. the one that got me my first car and, you know, told me how to turn left for the first time. So, of course, he's going to be my number one idol. And then, you know, uh, on, on the grander scheme of things, you know, uh, I do like Kyle Larson. He's probably one of my favorite drivers. He He's a plug-and-play driver, as quoted by Jeff Gordon. And uh, that's what I strive to be. You know, I just want to be a Uh, a kyle larson in my own in my own rights and in my own affordability and and within these barriers of colorado you know because we are kind of gate kept. you know a lot of people don't really look at us very much when it comes to racing but Mm -hmm. you know we are here we do have a lot of good racetracks and good race drivers you know and and good equipment out here too so you know winning down here and winning in colorado still means something to me absolutely and i think the more people that are
0: doing racing um, and this is maybe a little off topic, but I mean, we have, uh, epidemic across the country of racetracks closing
2: mm-hmm. because
0: of a number of reasons. Right. Uh, but I mean, the more people you have doing it, going to races, family coming to watch the races, all of that, that keeps this industry going, you know, lot, and that, yeah. that keeps guys like you and me being able to go to tracks. There are still tracks to go to. And I mean, people are like, well, how do we support racetracks? Go racing, mm-hmm. go watch some racing. Be a part of it. If you got a buddy who's racing, go out there and check it out, you know?
2: Right, yeah, come grab a hot dog. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, uh, racetrack food trucks. Mm-hmm. Get some great food there. Yeah, grab a beer, <laughs> grab a hot dog, slice a pizza, and watch some racing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Smell the tire smoke, you know? Yeah, it's
2: American pastime. It used to
0: be, right? Yeah, and I think it still should be. Right. Still should be. Right. So, now, speaking of another form of, of, of racing, um, you were telling me in the break here that you participated some in Formula Drift. Tell me a little bit about your experience doing that.
2: So that was my, you know, 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to make it to the Pro 2 level, um, which is now called Pro Spec, which is, you know, right below, you know, uh, Von Gittin Jr., mm-hmm. Frederick Osbo, you know, people like that. And uh, we were actually on grid with them. And, you know, just being on grid with those guys is just, you know, amazing. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's an awesome feeling. So that was kind of my pinnacle and that was my peak. You know, that was when I hit my prime and, you know, that was that was a a very, very fun ride, but I learned a lot and I learned that, you know, being a professional racing driver doesn't mean that you just get to show up and drive, you know, it's, it's even more hard, you know, Mm -hmm. when you show up as a pro driver, you know, the, you clock in from the second you sign that paper, you know, of saying, Hey, I'm a formula drift driver, or, you know, I'm going to step up to the, the cup series or, or something of that matter. You know, you, you're, you're expected a a whole lot more and you, you, you actually got to spend a whole lot more money. You know, it was, you know, over $30,000 just to go do one weekend at, you know, a formula drift event, you know, to get the crew out there, buy the tires, get, you know, it it adds up really quick. So, and I've heard, you know, from some of my buddies that are doing it now, it's even more expensive. So, wow. And that, that just goes to speak on, you know,
0: having sponsors and trying to, you got to monetize it, right. You know, somehow, and you got to, you know, in a way you got to kind of break into it as well. Cause you have guys who are already established. I mean, they're already at an advantage purely right. just from a funds perspective. Right. You know, and you've got some great guys who are, you know, really humble and doing it too, but you know, some maybe who also aren't, but that, that being said, I mean, you know, being grassroots and getting into it and being able to show your skills off and do that. And you see guys who come in, you know, who are a underdog coming into something where everyone's already established. Everyone's got money and teams and then they, win something or they they podium like that's to me always really fun right
2: you know, is seeing that success yeah you want to be that underdog success story right you know, but in racing it, you got to have a lot of lady luck in your pocket
0: i bet i bet and a little bit of that that right foot action there yes sir yep awesome so uh now let's talk a little bit about your actual race cars I, we probably don't have time to talk about every one of them but sure give, give me a rundown
2: on the setup on you pick a car tell, tell me about one of your race cars so the most technical vehicle is actually the super late model um the spec miata is kind of like a uh, once it's dialed you kind of just keep things dialed you know mm-hmm. you're not really going to change anything you know right because there's rules you got to stick to there all is rules and you know a road racing car needs to be well rounded right so yeah. so once you get the setup dialed on it you, you want to stick within that window Now on a super late model, you know, we're so competitive in that class that, you know, we're looking for literally tenths of seconds, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so to gain a 10th, two tenths, three tenths is huge. Um, and, what you're doing in between runs is anywhere from you know uh we're checking split you know and split is uh uh, also known as stagger uh stagger is uh the outside tire because we're only turning left so you got to envision a red solo cup that Mm -hmm. you tip over on its side and you you roll it on the table Mm -hmm. the outside's going to roll faster than the inside um and 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 it's going to turn left better right so but there's also a window of split that you want to be in, you know, and, and it's anywhere from two inches to three and a half inches of split. So that means, you know, one tire is three inches taller than the inside tire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a huge thing on the, on the super late models is, is making sure the split and the stagger stays, stays within that window because a tire can grow and these are bi-ply tires. So a bi-ply tire isn't like a radial mm-hmm. um, where it has all these cords and strength and, and, and cable and wire and stuff. It's it's a real soft pillowy tire. You know, you see these spongy looking tires on the sides of NASCARs, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we're running on. And so those tires can grow really really fast if you're too heavy on the right pedal. You know, if you're on that loud pedal way too hard and you're going to you're going to spin those rear tires and it's going to grow and grow and grow and just keep growing. Um, and then you're going to you're going to eventually get super loose and you ain't going to be able to hold on to the thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, there is a little bit of tire management that you have to uh, uh, stick with and uh you know the shocks the shocks are huge you know we got high speed and low speed dampening clicks and we want to go either up or up or down a click or two you know that that changes a bunch you know mm-hmm. um we have a track bar a panhard bar um all of those you'll see them in a nascar pit stop they'll, they'll uh, reach in the, the rear window and uh make a turn on the on the rear window that's basically just r- uh, raising or lowering the rear track bar and that's putting pressure down on your inside tire
0: okay yep
2: Wow. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of
0: dynamics. There's a lot of things that go into this, and that's one of the challenges, I imagine. I mean, managing one race car, you've you've got all those dynamics. You got right. all those things going on. Managing two, three, four, five race cars, each with different considerations and things so that's really impressive i really like what you're doing Uh, his name is ethan hunter you can follow him ethan underscore hunter 37 on instagram ethan hang tight through the break here we'll be right back on automotive adhd And here we are rocketed on the third half of the automotive ADHD. You're listening to it maybe on the radio, maybe on the podcast. Lots of great ways to catch this show. And my guest, by the way, across from the toolbox, Ethan Hunter. He is a racing lunatic. His words, not mine. though. <laughs> so I think I think it, it describes what he's doing pretty well. And uh, Ethan, so before we were talking about some of the setups on your cars and you've got, like I was saying before the break, you've got when you're racing, you've got so many things to consider on one car. And you're trying to balance that on more than one car. And that also takes, um, you know, time and logistics and work. And you're you're a grassroots guy, so you're doing this, you know, with your family. Tell me about some of the logistics. When you go to an event, what is it like? Are you rolling up with, you know, 10 mechanics and a, a trailer and a semi truck? Or is it more of a family thing?
2: Yeah, here in Colorado, there's not a lot of uh, uh, people that are are that's their job to do, right? right. Uh, you'll you'll see that in Charlotte, Mooresville, North Carolina. You'll see people that are are paid mechanics, you know, right. and, that, and that's their job is to show up to the racetrack and work on these high dollar race cars. Um, here in Colorado, it's it's a little different. You know, it's more of a family thing. Mm-hmm. I got my papa, my mom, and uh, my girlfriend, and you know, three or four uh, revolving guys that you know. Uh, i'd I'd do anything for you know they're 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 awesome you know and and they do it for free so you know to 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 have those guys come out and help us load and unload the trailer put the setup on the car make the car fast you know uh keep our heads down when when we're in our lows and and you know drink a beer when we're having fun you know so you know they 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 get just as mad when i don't do good as i do you know they right they're there to win you know everybody wants to win you know we're we're all there for one reason and and that's to do good and, and do as best as we can so Um, for them to do that for free, I mean, they're, they're just the best guys I could ask for.
0: That's awesome. Is there anyone you'd like to shout out with that?
2: Um, yeah, we got Derek, Angelo, my dad, uh, Jason, you know, uh, all, all these guys, you know, they, they just make, they just make the world go around for me. Awesome. And and I love that
0: you're doing it with your dad still. Like that's, that's really cool. Being able to, you know, make some memories with your dad and do some really cool stuff. Um, you know, I, I had a listener send a uh, car sound into the show, which you can do, by the way, if you're listening to the show and you want to have your car sound on the radio, you can send that in facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. But uh, his name's Ryan and he's 17 and he's working on a car with his dad. And it, it's like, that's the coolest thing to me that that really like you talk about heartwarming things, making a guy want to cry. It's like that right there. I I, I think that's really cool. Um, and you said your dad had been involved in racing as well prior
2: Correct. Yeah. He, he started racing in high school and, mm-hmm. uh, he raced all the way up until he was about 33 when he had me. And then, you know, he raced for, you know, a, a season or two on and off. And then when I turned four and a half, you know, that was when it was time to start looking for my race car. So yeah, that's, that's when that all happened and, and the transition happened.
0: I love it. I love it. So with you doing a couple of different types of racing, how, how do you as a driver balance different driving styles? Cause you might be going from you know grip with this low power with spec miata to drift to something else how do you balance that is it challenging
2: yes it is it it, it does have its quirks um you know none of the cars really share any parts or tires or you know a- anything for that matter you know they're all so different um even just from the windshield that's what i was just telling my dad It's so crazy jumping from my fifth gen camaro drift car that has a you know a windscreen the size of of you know probably You know, I I don't know. It's a very small windshield, right? It is. They're not
0: known for their visibility. Yeah,
2: it's pretty tough. And uh, to jump into the Evo 10, which is a rally car, you know, it's from the factory a rally car, so they make those windshields very visible, and you can Mm -hmm. see almost the tops of the fenders on that car. You know, so to jump in that car after driving the Camaro, it's night and day. You know, just visibility, even Mm -hmm. you know. And then to to add the all-wheel drive versus rear-wheel drive, you know, high grip, low grip, high power, low power you know, it, it, it's, it's a fun challenge for me. You know, that's kind of, I never get bored, you know, let's put it that way. It's, it's always, it's always fun and entertaining for me. Awesome. I, I love that. And I mean, you, you have, you know, you're building
0: skills with each of them. That's a little bit different. And like you were saying in the previous segment, being a quote, plug and play driver, right? Like that's what you need, you know, and you right. see the guys who uh, are doing it every day for a living. That's what they do. And heck, you know, some of them will one minute be racing and the next minute they're doing a stunt driving on a TV commercial or something. And right. You know, they're like, here are the keys. Go do a thing with this car. OK, front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, all wheel drive, high power, low power. You have all this a, a, a professional driver, I think, is able to handle all of that.
2: Right. Yeah. And Tanner Faust is is going to be one of our our guys that, you know, you would want to look up to as well mm-hmm. in that aspect. You know, he is a, a guy that can do stunt driving you know, uh, we met him at formula drift when he was debuting his uh, Volkswagen Passat that had eight to one headers in a, in a LS. It sounded like a, a F1 car. Wow. It, it was awesome, you know, and, wow. and to, to pit next to a guy like Tanner Faust, you know, I was just floored. Yeah. I it, mean that,
0: and that's really cool too. I, I assume you get to, you know, when you go to these different things, you see some of these guys who are, you know, living the the dream in that sense, correct. you know, the lifestyle that you're shooting for. And I, I think that's probably really inspiring to be like, Hey, I right next to this guy.
2: It is, you know, it, it makes you feel like you, you almost made it, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, in my own right, I feel like I did make it. Cause I get to race and, and with my parents and, you know, hang out with my, my, my dad and, and work on the cars at my own garage. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really, like you said, grassroots and you know, the, the, the pro level it's, it's all contracts and it's all big money. And, and, and they, they toss you around. There's no loyalty, you know, it, you, you never really know when your next ride is going to be available, right? And if yeah. if that car is going to be your car next year, you know, all my cars I own, you know, nobody can come in and take my cars from me just because I, you know, said something that wasn't right, or I, I did something on track that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that that's the part that I like about that is that, you know, it's, if we win, it's in our own car. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: And that's a, uh- You know, you look in the, you know, even in the early days of racing, you had guys known as privateers, right? That's what they did, right? You'd have some cars that are sponsor backed, manufacturer backed, and then you got guys who get the family together. They get some sponsors, they get some friends together and they go out there and race too. Right. And you know, if you, I think all of the racing is fun and cool, but I mean, if you ask me what is more impressive, the guy who's got Audi as a factory team or Porsche or the guy who's putting this car together in his garage with his family,
2: you know, right. I can right. tell you who's having more fun, too. Oh, that's true. You know, and it's not the guy that shows up with a sandwich in his hand asking where his car's at.
0: Yep. Right. You know, gets out of the nice air conditioned trailer, you know, it uh-huh. <laughs> goes, OK, get in the car race. No. And, and you get your hands dirty working on cars, too. Right. I mean, you're you're doing everything, you know, playing a hand in that. Right.
2: Yeah. My dad kind of uh, cut me off. I want to say when I was like 20 years old, he was like, hey, you, hey, dude, you got to figure it out. You know, I'm not going to be hit around forever. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to start. Paying for it, and you got to start working on your own stuff too. So he kind of did that, and 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 got the 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 clock ticking on me. Mm -hmm. And so then I I I started doing the the paintless dent repair, the hail repair.
0: That was one thing I wanted to ask you about: is your your business, right? right? You're kind of
2: an entrepreneur.
0: You're doing your own thing to fund all of this, exactly.
2: And that that's kind of where it stemmed from. You know, he was like, you know, I I can't afford your dreams. You know, you got to figure it out. And and that's where the hail repair came in, and and that was something where I could afford to do these things and once i started getting a little better at it and the money started flowing a little more i was like well then i'll just buy another race car and then another race car and then you know and then i just you know it, it never stopped and it, and it still isn't stopping i just put a deposit down on a sprint car so you know it, it's it's going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to try to go faster as you know as we go on but when my dad cut me off you know that was a, a big thing because i only raced you know two or three times that year and mm-hmm. and for me that was like the end of the world you know yeah. so i was like you know, I didn't really have a good job. I didn't know where I was going in life. You know, all I knew was that my race cars were possibly going to go away. Yeah. And so that was like, okay, it's time to start working on these cars. Let's get my hands dirty. Let's figure out how to, how to make this program work, you know, by myself as the crew chief slash driver slash owner slash everything. Right. Right. Um, cause you know, my dad is 61, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm so, uh, th- these next few years are so important because, you know, racing with your dad is, is something that's irreplaceable and, and priceless. So, you know, these, these next few years are just, you know, I'm, I'm soaking up every little bit of it. And I'm so grateful to have them around and, and be able to do this. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: I, I, I love that. And again, that family connection there is so good. I mean, you know, not every, not every person gets to do that. So, I mean, having that opportunity to do that, you gotta, you gotta take advantage of that right. Go racing with your dad.
2: Right. Yeah, of course, of course, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I do appreciate, you know, every, everybody that has sponsored me and, and helped me along the way, but my dad is, he's the guy. He was the guy, you know,
0: he's the OG sponsor. He is the OG sponsor. I love that. Awesome. My guest is Ethan Hunter. Again, you can follow him and you should Ethan Hunter at Ethan underscore Hunter 37 on Instagram. Check out some of the racing stuff he's doing. If you're uh, here in Southern Colorado, why not? uh, Next time you're at a racing event, keep an eye out for one of his many race cars. And uh, I think it'll be really fun seeing this guy drive, seeing all the great things that he does. Ethan, I want to thank you for joining me here on Automotive ADHD.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'd love to give one of your listeners a free ride along. Hey,
0: let's let's do it. Let's make it happen. Awesome, and thank you for listening to the show. You can catch it wherever fine shows, and this one are downloaded, as well as on the radio, three great radio stations, AM 1460, The Answer, 91.7 KLZR, and AM 1400 KRLN. We'll see you next week when we talk more cars here on Automotive ADHD.